FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 489 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked, I'm your host, Jason, and yeah, I'm regular. I took my podcasting fireworks. <laughs> I can't even finish that without getting grossed out and laughing. Um, but yes, yeah, so this was going to be The Density of X, Part 1. Now, kind of a, a double play on words there, obviously. Right now, we're in the the current run. The overarching theme of X-Men right now is Destiny of X. But then also, um, the old Back to the Future joke, where you are my density. And so there's that. That kind of play on words. And then also, this giant stack of X-Men comics that I need to catch up on is weighing very heavily on me. It's very dense. <laughs> you know, it's bad. And I'm very self-aware of how bad my jokes are when I'm resorting to uh, drum uh, rim shots. But um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, alright, here's kind of the plan. I don't know... I can't promise I'm going to have multiple episodes a week. This one will probably be less than a week after the last one. But we'll kind of space it out. But I'm going to try to do three of these Density of X episodes. And that should, if I can keep the pace and read that many books at a time, <laughs> that should catch us up and get us ready for the gala, the Hellfire Gala special. And that should coordinate... Maybe not right on time, a little after, but pretty close to on time for the 10th anniversary. And that can kind of be a soft anniversary uh, episode before we get to episode 500, which will kind of serve as both. So those are kind of the three things I'm shooting for. The gala, the 10th anniversary, and episode 500. Um, once I get past all three of those, I'm going to kind of assess how these last few weeks have gone since I've come back and kind of decide, okay... What is the schedule of the show going to be? I am going to keep doing it, but will it be... Well, I try to stay weekly, which I've done pretty good at for almost 10 years. Um, like go more like bi-weekly or maybe even monthly? Will I focus more on current books or flashback episodes or kind of do a mix like I have been? I have a lot of decisions to make as I try to figure out what the new normal of the podcast is going to be after those three things. But those are, I'm going to try to be as regular as possible with new comics and hopefully get maybe at least one flashback in um, before we get to all three of those things. And then I'll kind of take a step back, evaluate how the last few weeks have gone since I've returned to podcasting and decide what to do from there. The show will still exist in some form or facet and this may or may not change a little bit. And hey, I'll be completely transparent. I may look and say, yeah, it's great, and do exactly the same thing I've done for the past 10 years. Very, very possible. Or I may spice things up a little bit. Who knows? Um, we'll see. But today, we're going to talk about the first round of the Destiny of X books that I didn't cover last time. And I will say, so in these next three episodes after this one, I'm kind of split out because I was doing stuff with the Excaliburs, kind of the the more like specifically Wolverine-centric books and then kind of the ex-general books. And I would cover, you know, one by myself and one with the Excaliburs. I guess Excaliburs. Um, 
they have both, <laughs> Georgie and Dan have both been a little lukewarm about this, the current state of Xbooks. Um, I am going to try to get them on soon, but I'm going to try to blitz these next chunk of books kind of solo and a whole lot at a time. That's going to be kind of throwing together like your Wolverine solo title and your Immortal X-Men um, all at the same time. So this episode will kind of bridge that, and then the next two, part two and three of Density of X will be basically um, a, a whole cycle of all the X books up to the gala, and we'll break that in two. I think every, pretty much everything has three issues of the new uh, status quo or whatever before we land on the gala. Um, there'll be a couple of exceptions, and we'll discover those as we do them, but um, that is the general game plan. Um, I do need to look at flashback stuff because I want to try to hit the Phalanx Covenant at a certain time. But I have a little bit I need to get through still to do that. Even though the X-Books are caught up, I need to catch up uh, the Wolverine solo series and a couple other like random odds and ends because Wolverine was so ubiquitous in the 90s. There's still quite a ground, quite a bit of ground to at least skim over before we get to the Phalanx Covenant. And so... Um, I'm going to try to not be exclusively current, um, but yeah, we'll kind of just see how that all goes. So, what we're going to talk about today is Immortal X-Men number one, Marauders number one, X-Men Red number one, Knights of X number one, Legion of X number one, and one of the books that didn't get a relaunch, but it has a new direction, uh, New Mutants number 25. So that is the slate for today. Um, another thing I'll kind of also probably do, just to save time on my reading and keep me on schedule, I'm probably going to push off some of these out-of-time books, like uh, New Fantastic Four, um, the rest of the Patch series, um, and what was the other one? There was another one. Uh, oh, and, and maybe the Axe stuff, too. I may kind of push that off a little bit. Um, and hey, it'll allow me to do kind of more of a whole story like I do with the, the flashback episodes, but me also allow me to f concentrate on really catching up to the gala, and then I can kind of figure out spacing after that. But anyway, that's enough preamble. Let's jump into Immortal X Men number one. Now, this episode may be a little quicker, there's really not much quote unquote Wolverine to speak of at all in most of these books, so um. Yeah, that'll be another benefit to combining everything back together is I can kind of, for example, Immortal X-Men number two really fast and then X-Force number 28 spend a little more time on. Um, <laughs> you may or may not think that's a good idea, but anyway, okay, we'll see how that goes. But right now, Immortal X-Men number one is... Nope, not Sinister Secrets, wrong text page. Hated, Feared, Forever, or Part One, The Left Hand. Written by Karen Gillen, art by Lucas Vernick, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Clayton Cow, designed by Tom Mueller, and cover is Mark Brooks. And the cover is a wraparound, um, kind of an homage to The Last Supper. And we have kind of the quiet council sitting around a table with a few other extra characters like Death and uh, Lockheed and some aliens. Uh, Looks like from Araco in the background, and then we have 
Jean Grey's um, mask on the floor, Cyclops's visor, so some important icons, um, and then what maybe maggots, little maggot creatures, um, and then yeah, some other stuff on the table like Magneto's helmet uh, because he of course is well. We'll get to that in a second, but yeah, so kind of the important council members that aren't on the cover have icons on the cover and then the rest are around the table. Um, I mean, it's pretty good. It's a nice little homage. Um, it's kind of sketchy for Mark Brooks, which is interesting. Kind of a sketchier cover for him. Not quite as clean and painterly as he's been doing lately. But um, yeah. So, Immortal X-Men number one. Basically, Magneto quits the Quiet Council to live on Mars. After giving a finger quote, soft ultimatum from the five, Hope is picked to join the council over Selene. Selene does not take it well and attacks with a giant worm monster, and oh, by the way, Sinister has Moira clones. And that's kind of, I mean, it, <laughs> really. Uh, but it's really, a, it's, it's a dense book, it's a nice book, the writing's really good. Um, so I love Kieran Gillen's Mr. Sinister. And he's a narrator of this, at least the first issue. I've not read number two yet. But um, I really enjoy Gillen's Sinister as a narrator. And I gotta say the art, some of Wernick's best. Like, he showed some flashes of brilliance during Trial of Magneto. I thought this issue was really, really good. Really um, just absolutely stunning. Um, and I enjoyed the premise of this book a lot. Kind of all the machinations of the council and the back and forth and kind of the politics of it. I I really like this. Um, I'm going to give Immortal X-Men six out of six claws. I thought it was fantastic. And that was fast. We'll see if the other books go <laughs> fast. They probably will. This may be a, a short... I may keep these episodes a little short just so I can move through them. But um, that, I enjoyed that book a lot. Immortal X-Men number one was one of my favorites of this round, um, we'll call it. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe give like a soft ranking at the end. I'll pull Wolverine and X-Force back in and X-Men. But um, we're going to move on to the new Marauders, number one. So this is... Here comes the new crew, or Extinction Agenda. I've heard that before. Uh, written by Steve Orlando. Art by Eleonora Carlini. Colors by Matt Mia. Letters and production by VCs Ariana Mayer, designed by Tom Mueller, and the cover by K.L. New. And I like the cover. It's just a it's just a team shot. It's uh we have the red captain, Cape Pride, up front with a sword and Lockheed on her shoulder like a pirate parrot. Then we have Bishop with his gun, and then behind them we have Cyclot Canone and Dawkin and Somnus. And I don't know. I think it's supposed to be Aurora. It doesn't really look like Aurora. And then Tempo in the background. So, what happens in this one, you ask? Well, we're going to talk about it. So, um, Pride leads a new Marauders team, including Cassandra Nova, to space to rescue the first, quote-unquote, first generation of mutants, which is a new concept we're learning about. Um, she's going to rescue them from the Shi'ar. The Majestrix, the Majestrix, of course, Xavier and Lelandra's daughter, uh, likes Krakoa, but agrees the Marauders cannot succeed in their mission to find 
out what happened to these first-generation mutants. So she allows the red team, with Eric the Red and another red person. Uh, what was their name? They are a new character, I'm pretty sure. They kind of come out of the uh, galactic woodwork here. Um, man. Uh, what is... Delphus the Red. Um, so the Madrextrix allows them to attack the Marauders. Uh, so we do want to, I mean, we want to focus on Dokken a little bit. So really the only note of particular interest for him is that he uses his ex-lover Somnus to torture Brimstone Love in dream time. So, you know, he's allowed to go to like this dream world through Somnus um, and he, he tortures and gets revenge on Brimstone Love for torturing him in that uh, Marauder's Annual. And I don't know if we, I don't think I've recorded since we talked about this. Um, so Grant reminded me, or informed me, because I didn't actually know, that uh, Brimstone Love, we believe, was a X-Men 2099 villain. So, hi Grant, and by the way, go listen to Truth, Justice, and Hope, a Superman co- podcast with Mr. Grant there. It's a great show. Alright, so the plot on this I thought was pretty interesting. But I'm not going to lie. I've liked, I like Orlando, I think, in general. I haven't read a whole lot of him. But the scripting, like the actual scripting dialogue and stuff, felt a little tedious to me. But I like the concept. So I'm, I'm on board with the concept. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the art. It's not bad. It's kind of cartoony in places, but then tries to maybe be not as cartoony in places. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't love it. Um, so there you go. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything in particular I want to focus on in the issue. Like, I like the Shi'ar stuff. Um, there's a mystery. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do with Cassandra Nova. Um, but yeah, it was a fine start. I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, I'm going to give this version of Mirage's number one uh, three out of six claws. I will say a little bit of a change after the last volume of Marauders for most of its span, not all of it, but for most of its span being one of my favorite books, this was a little disappointing. And it references what happened in the original X-Men Red with Jean um, kind of giving empathy to Cassandra Nova and turns out that doesn't cure her from evil and just means she's not going to take out her evil on the mutants. So, there you go. There's some arguing over whether she is a mutant or not. Sage argues that because the creature absorbed uh, Xavier's genetics whole, it was born a mutant, whether it was created in the womb that way or not. It may have been a parasite or whatever, but it was birthed as a mutant. So, that's why, ultimately, Nova is given uh, amnesty on Krakoa. Alright, so with that X-Men Red... Uh, through line, we're going to move to the new X-Men Red, which is for the Red Planet X-Men Mars. Um, so X-Men Red number one, kind of a continuation of Sword and Spirit, uh, written by, oh sorry, this is Who Can Save the Red Planet or the Broken Land, written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Federico Bli, letters and production by VCs Ariana Mayer, and then designed by Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen, with covers by Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson. 
Um, and this cover does not disappoint. It's Storm standing on a rock on Mars, and she is flanked by Magneto and Sunspot. And, I mean, knowing that Standard Dodderman is kind of has his shoulders above a lot of other people, it's pretty Standard Dodderman. <laughs> but it is a really good cover. All right, so in this one, um, the Arco Council, which is called... What is it called? Um, where is that? It's on the text page where they reference it. Trying to flip through here. The Great Ring. Um, they're trying to decide basically what the future of Arico is going to be. They have this new planet where they're on, on Mars, where it's been terraformed by the, the X-Men from the last Hellfire Gala. And they have a chance to start over. But there's also some appetite to try to get back to a myth and save uh, Apocalypse and Genesis and the rest of the uh, Arakoan mutants who went kind of in exile to a myth to check on them, rescue them, whatever. Um, so the council is voting on what to do and they're tied. So Storm gets a tiebreaker. And she breaks the tie and decides to pursue peace versus pursuing revenge. She wants to see what they can build on Mars uh, first and maybe kind of go from there. Um, so also on Mars, after Magneto quit the Quiet Council, uh, he makes a metal castle and meets a non-powered Araki. Araki. I'm not sure how you say that. Um, and there's some really good conversation there between them. Uh, Storm is awesome. Uh, Brand wants Martian X-Men. I think it's part of her ploy. Of course, we have learned that she is a double agent for Orcus as well. Um, but her idea is to stand up a team of Martian X-Men. Um, but Storm kind of twists that on its head, flips the script, and comes to Magneto to form a new brotherhood. Um, I guess so she can still be the regent of Mars, but then also lead this team of mutants on whatever missions they decide they need to do. Uh, there's also a fight in a space bar on Mars between uh, Vulcan and Sunspot and uh, Thunderbird steps in. Um, it's interesting. Um, then there's like a really, really big like testosterone off between Cable and Thunderbird. I guess Cable comes in with Brand to break up the fight. They have jurisdiction or whatever. Um, Thunderbird's like super, super aggro, um, which, you know, you can understand. He was kind of that way before he died, and then now coming back, you can see where that would be the same. Um, and there's some cool dynamic. There's some cool dynamic between Storm and Iska, um, between Storm and Brand. Basically, Storm's just awesome in this book. She looks awesome. Uh, so the art is pretty good. Uh, the story is really pretty good. Um, no Wolverine notes, but um, I'm going to give... Oh, the, the opening splash page where there's a shapeshifter storm fighting storm in the ring. Um, it's pretty awesome. It looks great. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give uh, X-Men Red number one five out of six claws. Alright, so next we're going to move over to Knights of X number one. So, Knights of X number one is... Imperiled, or Part 1, Hated and Feared. Written by Teeny Howard. Art by Bob Quinn. Colors by Eric Arseniega. Letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. Designed by Tom Mueller. 
Uh, production is by Jay Bowen and Nick Russell. Um, cover. Cover is by uh, Yannick Paquette and Alejandro Sanchez. And it's a pretty nice cover. It's a big old team shot with what was Excalibur Plus, and now they're the Knights of X. We have, of course, Captain Britain. Um, we have... Oh, Richter? Yeah. Um, then Bay, the Blood Moon, then Megan, Rachel, Shatterstar, Gambit, and Shogo, the Dragon. Uh, Shogo particularly looks pretty awesome. Uh, not quite as cartoony as maybe he's looked or as clean. It looks kind of like an old haggard dragon, but it still looks pretty great. Um, Alright, so in this one, uh, Betsy and Captain Britain Corps are rescuing Witchbreed, uh, parentheses mutants, an otherworld persecuted by Merlin's violent reigns. Remember at the end of Excalibur, uh, Merlin and King Arthur took over Merlin World, or, uh, not World, Otherworld, they deposed Saturnine, and Excalibur went home, closing the gate, but uh, at the last second, Captain Britain Betsy stayed behind. So since that time, she's been leading the, the multiversal Captain Britain Corps to rescue uh, Witchbreed from Merlin's persecution. Um, so, so honestly, kind of more of a Marauders book than Marauders so far. Uh, <laughs> but um, that original mission, anyway. So Roma, Merlin's daughter, is sympathetic and offers a hiding place. And in a less clear way, she also offers Betsy a quest for mutants. He says, like, I can't I can't restore a gate because Betsy wants to call reinforcements from home. She's like, if we can just call in like a bunch of X-Men, we can kick Merlin's butt and we can give Saturnine her power back um, and kind of, you know, put everything back the way it needs to be. And Roma's like, well, I can't do that. I can't reopen the gate. But, and this is where I get a little lost, but I can send you to Krakoa by yourself for like a limited time. And you can enlist or recruit some mutants for your quest. You need 10. And she tries to get 10. She ends up with 8 because when they go through the gate, um, or go through Roma's spell, Shogo goes through, but Jubilee gets kept at home, which really kind of broke my heart. Like, as a parent, I just can't even imagine. Now, Jubilee is originally, like, hesitant, but she's like, no, like, because there's something wrong with Shogo. Like, he can't, he wakes up, or he won't wake up. He's dreaming all the time of Otherworld um, in his dragon form, so Jubilee feels like he needs to go back. But of course she wants to go with him, to protect him, to guard him, to guardian him, to be his mom. And when she gets left behind, A, I'm sad Jubilee's not in the book. I hope she has something else to do in this new lineup. Uh, she's not in the other books in round one, but we'll see. Uh, but also just the separation, right? Um, just really kind of broke my heart a little bit. But, um, anyway, she can't go. Uh, so there are two mutants, sh- or no, they're short. Uh, what do they do? There's, they also, so they find, um, they try to resurrect Mordred and they can't. Um, what happened? I lost my note. Oh, yeah, so they're, they're, they're eight and they need ten. Um, they find Kailun, the old Excalibur guy, kind of the lion guy who has vocal powers. And then also, whenever they try to resurrect Mordred, somehow worked. Remember, that's Arthur's, Arthur's mutant son, who he fears. Um, so he is resurrected, but he's like a new person. He's younger, doesn't remember all his, his stuff. 
and then they find out that the quest is the Siege Perilous. So we have our 10 mutants and the Siege Perilous to be continued. Um, pretty good overall. Enjoyed the art. There's some really nice panels. I thought the writing was pretty strong. I feel like as long as Howard has like a focus and direction, I like their writing a lot better. So I'm going to give Knights of X. Uh, of course, we're going to go with the Gambit score for Gambit's Gumbo. I'm going to give it 3 out of 4 aces. It's probably like between a 4 and a 5 claws, so maybe like a 4 and a half. But I'm going to give it 3 out of 4 aces. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice, strong start to the book. We'll see where Knights of X goes. Um, Alright, so next is Legion of X. Now, Legion of X number 1 is The Whole of the Law, or Do What Thou Wilt, written by Cy Spurrier, art by Jan Bazaldua, or Bazaldua, maybe, I'm not sure, I'm not, not, I'm not quite sure how to say it, but I like them quite a bit. Um, color by Federico Bui, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, designed by Tom Mueller and Jay Bowen, uh, cover by Decay Ruan and Matthew Wilson, I like Ruan a lot. There's really nothing to this cover at all. Um, so, it's just like graphic design. It's a cool logo. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it looks okay. It's just weird for a comic cover. because There's really kind of a lack of, of substance. So, this book is dense. It is good. It's kind of one of those things where a lot is talked about, but I don't know how much actually happens. But not in a bad way. But basically, here's your summary. Uh, Nightcrawler is a priest slash chief of police for a Krakoan law. So we kind of almost have... He's being very careful not to start a new Krakoan religion, but it's almost like a uh, theocracy in a weird way based around enforcing the three Krakoan laws. But Nightcrawler also, also does kind of a thing... Um, in Jewish history, there's like this idea that there is a Torah... The, I'm probably saying part of this wrong. I'm trying to remember my college education from a long time ago. But um, yeah, you know, the basic law, the Ten Commandments, and the Torah, which is the five books, is made up of a whole lot of uh, extra laws. And then by the time of the New Testament, there's even more kind of extra laws. It's kind of called a hedge around the laws, kind of the uh, English version of saying that. It's basically laws on top of laws, so the if you don't break these regulations, then you never even get close to touching the original laws. And I kind of feel like there's a little of that going on with this book, with the Krakoan log. You have the three, and then Nightcrawler helps to embellish them. It's not quite the same. It's not like building a hedge or like, well, if you can't steal, then we can also say you don't cheat. That way you never steal. Um, it does, but it, it provides some clarification and some kind of additional subtext around the laws of explanation. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's, that's what he's doing. Uh, we, we also find out that Nimrod killed Magus, uh, the techno-organic one, not the purple one. So Al, you're good. Uh, of course, Al covers uh, Adam Warlock in the Magus and all that good stuff on Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, which you should totally listen to. Um, but yeah, the, the techno-organic Magus, Warlock's father. Um, and there's, there's a lot of really cool and interesting stuff. Like there's a giant eyeball that is like the overseer of the uh, Arakoan pit. And um, they have this concept of deities, but they don't worship them. They have to like prove their, 
They're worth every so often. Like they expunge the deities. Uh, Juggernaut is helping police with this really interesting character called Zavi or Zavi, um, whose mutant power is to be forgotten. It's kind of a, it's a really kind of clever, fun power because um, everyone keeps forgetting that they're working with them. Um, <laughs> and I like the cast. We have Pixie and Lost and some other cool characters. Um, there's a nice interchange between Nightcrawler and um, Weaponless Zen, who is um, Sadus Exotica. No, Exotica is the person that lost the fight. Um, Sarah Seta Aura Serrata, the witness, the giant eyeball. Um, anyway, uh, it's just a very clever and charming book. I like it a lot. Um, very nice art. Uh, really nice colors as well. Um, it's thoughtful. It has nice interactions. I'm really curious to see where it goes. Kind of not not much of an action book, but just a lo- very introspective, uh, interesting book. So I'm going to give Legion of X number one five out of six claws. Okay. So then that takes us to New Mutants number 25. I may have said 26 earlier. I meant 25. Um, the Labor of Magic book one, or Best Laid Plans, written by Vita Ayala. Art by Rod Reyes and Jan Dersima. Uh, colors by Ruth Redman in the flashback scene. So, so Rod Reyes, of course, does his own colors, but uh, Redman does the Dersima colors. Letters of production by VCs Travis Landham, Mueller and Bowen with the design, and the cover is by Lino Francis Yu and Sonny Go. And it's magic front and center doing some incantations. Um, it's a pretty good cover. I don't know if used version of magic is my favorite, but um, you know, it's it's pretty nice. So, all right. Here, Ileana plans to turn Limbo over to Madeline Pryor. Uh, Danny and Rain go with her to try and talk her out of it. Uh, meanwhile, Belasco assumed. It's Belasco, a shadowy figure, but it seems like it's probably Belasco, has pulled a soul mace out of the demon Sim. Similar to how the soul sword was pulled out of Ileana, um, this character, Fossilwee Belasco, pulls a spiritual mace out of uh, Sim and kind of sends him on a mission to take over Limbo. So, when they're down in Limbo signing their contracts between Magic and Madeline Pryor, Sim challenges Ileana. Uh, Of course, there's a big fight with demons and our heroes, and at one point, um, Ileana tries to strike Sim with her soul sword. He blocks it with the mace, and the sword disappears, like shatters. Um, This also ends Magic's power and influence over uh, Limbo, she, without the Soul Sword, is no longer like the undisputed ruler. Uh, so Sim has a fighting chance to kind of take it over, challenging not only Magic but, of course, um, Madeline Pryor's legacy as well. Um, now, Magic teleports them home with a stepping disc, but they don't go home; they go to Winter Limbo instead. So this is a great comic, a great, great, great comic. And there's this running like fairy tale goblin story that kind of parallels our character's arc. Um, obviously there's like there's stand-ins or um, archetypes for our characters. We have the goblin character which is meant to be Ileana. Um, 
We have a shadowy figure, which is either Belasco or Sim or both. And then we have three figures that represent Madeline, Danny, and Rain. Um, and whenever we get a page from the book, it's in a full a full splash page, and those pages are amazing. Rod Reyes just continues to be a god among artists. I cannot say enough how much I love the visual of this work. And uh, I say, uh, Vita, their writing is really, really solid and strong as well. Vita's version of New Mutants continues to be one of my favorite books. Um, so we have this backup story. Um, it's not as good. It's still fine. It's still good art, but it's not Rod Reyes, obviously. Um, that maybe would have knocked the book down to a five, except for the rest of the book is really probably more like a seven. <laughs> so it all averages out to six out of six claws. The only hindrance to this book at all is that I miss Gabby. I mean, this is Gabby's home. This book has been for, you know, the last year plus. And I, it was a bummer to have Gabby not be in the storyline and probably will not be in the next several issues as well. So that's kind of a bummer. But I'm still going to give New Mutants 25, 6 out of 6 claws. So let's do a quick average here. Um, let me see, we got 6 plus 3 is 9, plus 5 is 14. Plus, we'll, we'll say 4 for Knights of X is 19. 5 is 24. Plus 6 is 30. Divided by 6 comics, I believe. So that's an average rating of 5 out of 6 claws. Pretty good round 1. Alright, so if I had to rank everything, I think New Mutants is probably still at the top for me. Um, then I would say... Two and three is probably Wolverine and Immortal X-Men duking it out. Um, then I'm probably going to go X-Men Red, Legion of X, the Knights of X and X-Force probably right around there. Um, and then Marauders at the end. Oh, X-Men. Um, I would probably put X-Men right between X-Men Red and Legion of X right now. All right, so that's going to be it. So my ranking is going to be, we'll just say uh, New Mutants, uh, after one issue each of Destiny of X, we'll say New Mutants, Wolverine, Immortal X-Men, X-Men, X-Men Red, Legion of X, Knights of X, no, Legion of X, X-Force, Knights of X, Marauders. There you go. <laughs> Not a clean list. I should have put the comics actually in a stack in front of me so I could do that. But, um, yeah. I mean, overall, I gotta say... A couple of things that were just kind of average for me, but mostly enjoyed this first round of books after the last event. Um, yeah, I'm in a pretty good place. So we'll see if that continues. But overall, really enjoying the direction of most of the books. So there you go. I know that was short. Not much Wolverine at all to talk about. But that will hopefully catch us up, and we'll talk about more stuff next time. So, as always, um, please uh, feel free to leave an iTunes review or like the Facebook page for the podcast that goes snicked. Um, Twitter is at snickcast. Show notes and stuff are uh, snickcast.podbean.com. And, um, yeah, I guess that's about it. So, I, like I said, I'm going to try to blitz through some comics, get us at least somewhat closer to caught up, and then we'll kind of, 
you know, go from there. But I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sorry, it's a little short. It's kind of a bonus episode. Um, but I hope everyone, please uh, stay well, stay safe out there. And until next time, hugs and snicks. All right, bye-bye. And snacked.